everyone and welcome to the second of our Scottish Opera special podcasts and today I'm talking to Derek Clark, the Head of Music at Scottish Opera. Hello Derek. Hello, hi, nice to meet you. Um, well first question I guess might be the most difficult one to do but could you explain <laughs> your role at Scottish Opera? Um, yes, the, the Head of Music is, the, the, uh, is responsible for the music department which consists of the repetitors who help the singers learn their music um, the chorus master, um, the librarian who looks after the, the, the um, putting together of the vocal music and the orchestral music, um, and I also have one music administrator as well. So it's a small department, but it's um, it's at the hub of the the company because obviously learning the music is the, the most important thing. Um, I also sit on the casting committee um, with the director of casting and the music director um, and uh, I'm also responsible for the production of the weekly call sheet or schedule which okay. um, I always say is like a bit like doing a jigsaw when you've lost the pattern on the box because <laughs> you don't actually know how it works until you've actually done it um, but we get information about all the rehearsals that are to take place uh, the following week and we put it all on on one sheet and check it through and add in coachings if there are singers who need um, coachings or if there's anything, any special events that have to be rehearsed and all that sort of thing. Um, I also have uh, a little bit of responsibility for the, the musical input of the, the emerging artists right. scheme. We have an emerging artist singer and singers and emerging artist repetiteur um, among other emerging artists, but those are the ones that I work mainly with. Um, so I have to mentor them or help in mentoring them and, and uh, in general see that they have a nice time when they're with us. Um, before we move on to, to, to what you've just said, the emerging artists, that's something that I have seen in the programmes and been aware of when I've, I've come to the opera. So what exactly does that entail? Who decides that these people are um, emerging artists? Well, um, we're very lucky in that, that we... We have a number of emerging artists across a lot of disciplines in the company, but um, we can have as many as we need. And so the idea started with, with uh, an attempt to try and, and do something that would bridge the gap between um, people finishing postgraduate studies and actually coming into the profession. Um, and so we can take a small number of singers, um, usually three um, sometimes four, sometimes only two, depending on on, uh, on what we need, um, and mentor them for a year or sometimes for 18 months, usually a year, um, and give them experience of doing various strands of our activity. Um, some of them may take part in the opera highlights um, yeah. programmes. Yeah, yeah. Some of them may sing smaller roles with the main company. Um, uh, we devise a programme for each individual singer oh, uh, based on what we can give them yeah. in, any, in any given season. Um, you know, for instance, a hypothetical example, if we were doing you know, a lot of Wagner or, or big things, then we might not have so many emerging artists because there aren't the same opportunities for beginning singers yes. in those pieces. So it depends on our repertoire right. uh, as to how many singers we take um, and we also have an emerging artist repetiteur who um, becomes uh, a member of our music staff and does the same thing as the main repetiteurs do um, maybe slightly more supervised and mentored but it, it's a, 
a sort of apprenticeship, if you like. Um, that's what the, the scheme was devised to do, and it seems to be quite successful. You said when you were explaining your role um, that learning the music is the most important part, and I think that'll be interesting when I speak to different people. How many people say that their role <laughs> is the most important? Yes. <laughs> but what I mean, what's interesting to me is it's clear that um, something the size of, of uh, Scottish Opera is a huge collaboration. So where does um, the head of music and your department kind of fit into that collaboration? Um, well, we're very much involved in the rehearsal process because, I mean, the, the singer's contract state that they come knowing their role. Right. Um, unlike um, actors mm-hmm. who sort of learn it as they go along. Oh, that's, that's fascinating. Because, because the music has to be secure um, before we start the production. Um, so every opera starts with two or three days of just music when the singers get together and we we sort of work with the conductor and find out basically how the music's going to go in right. the piece. Um, and then um, the music department then swings into action. And if, if the opera is in a foreign language, we also have a language coach who will come and, and work with the singers and be present at all the rehearsals, um, just advising on dotting I's and crossing T's linguistically. Um, the repetitors will play for the production rehearsals and the music rehearsals um, what the orchestra will eventually play. Um, the orchestra will rehearse separately and then put together uh, towards the end of the rehearsal process. Um, and then the music staff, um, their role changes from playing to listening and note-taking and um, we would normally sit behind the conductor when we move into the theatre and make a note of, of things that aren't quite right so that we can go to the singers and and give them notes and, yeah. uh, and make sure that what they're doing is what we've rehearsed. So do singers come with a, a, a repertoire that they already have, a kind of knowledge of certain parts that they already have? Uh, uh, yes, sometimes that does happen. Um, Singers will come, especially if, if they've done a role previously with another company, they will come with the experience yeah. of that role. Um, and sometimes they are more or less willing to change what they do because every singer has to find his or her own way through the role that they're doing. Um, and that's something that it's sometimes quite difficult to interfere with. Yes. Um, and so you have to, you have to respect what they've already discovered about the role in question. But at the same time, um, the conductor and more likely the director will have their own views of, of how the opera is going to go. And so we're sometimes a bit like Piggy in the middle and we're trying to sort of broker um, a, a, a way of, of looking at it that um, it takes account of what they've already learned mm-hmm. about the role, but may be able to sh- shed some new light on it in, in a way. So it's it's very interesting. So that, you're that, kind of almost, not a go-between, but trying to say, well, I appreciate what you are trying to do, but then trying to also... Yes, I mean, more, most singers are, 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 very, um, are very good at um, adapting what they need to do um, to the needs of, of, of different conductors and different directors. And so it's usually a, it's a very amicable process. Um, just occasionally it, there are sometimes resistances, but then that's, 
that's what makes life interesting. <laughs> so how did you come to this role? What's your background? Before <laughs> that's a good role? question. Um, I didn't set out to do this. Um, it sort of evolved. Um, when I went to music college, uh, I kind of thought that what I would do is do my three years and then do a year at Jordan Hill Training College and be a music teacher in the school because I kind of thought that that's what you did yeah, if sure. you were going to do music as a career. Um, but when I was at college... Um, I had always been more interested in um, playing the piano for other musicians rather than playing on my own. And sure. um, so I did quite a lot of accompanying singing lessons and, and um, I started playing for the opera class, as it then was. Um, and uh, a chap called David Kelly, who was at the time was the head of vocal studies at the RSAMD, suggested that maybe this was something that I could consider because I seemed he seemed to think I was quite good at it. And so I, I went to um, the London Opera Centre, as it right. then was, now the National Opera Studio, um, and did a postgraduate course for repetiteurs um, with a view to becoming a repetiteur. And I was lucky enough to get a job in Wales with Welsh National Opera um, as a repetiteur. Um, and I'd begun uh, at college to be a little bit interested in conducting Right. So when I went to Wales, um, after a few seasons, I was given an opportunity to do some conducting. And so the two things have sort of gone in parallel since then. Um, but as I say, it didn't, I didn't start out with the idea that, you know, I'm going to work in an opera company. So when you went to uh, college originally, um, what kind of music did you think? Was it just a general grounding that you thought you might have? Yes. I mean, I did a, a course that doesn't exist now. Um, uh, which was a course designed for people who wanted to be music teachers in right, school. Okay. So I, I, my first study was piano, and I had to do singing as a second study. I mean, I was a hopeless singer, really, um, but I enjoyed it. And it's been quite useful because it does give you an understanding of how singers work. Yeah. Um, but the job of a, a, a music staff member, a repetiteur, or, or um, if you're working with singers, um, anyone who's doing that... It's a fine line because our job is not to tell the singers how to sing technically. Mm -hmm. Our job is to advise on, on the way they might sing um, interpretatively, if that's a word, um, so that we get the most out of the text and the music. Um, I don't see it as my job or the job of the music staff to deal with technical issues. Right. Um, and, and if there are, then that's a job for a singing teacher. It's not a job for a coach, I don't think. So um, almost like a directing role. Well, yes. I mean, the singer hopefully comes with their technique sorted yeah. out and it's then put at the service of the music. And we can cultivate that by saying, you know, um, have you considered singing this line in this way or um, perhaps... There's a there's a piano marking here that you can find a dramatic um, reason for doing piano rather than just singing it straight. You know, um, our job is to bring the music off the page. Um, yes, and is that because you can see you know the direction of a production as a whole in terms of things like tone or uh, I mean I can imagine that um, you know different uh, uh, classical operas are, are interpreted in many different ways yes indeed um, uh, and I think you have to be open to the particular 
tone of a production. Yeah. Um, but our basic grounding is what is in the score. Yeah. Um, and I mean, everyone is working towards a, a realization of that. Um, so our work is to see that the markings in the score are respected and and are there in the final thing that the audience sees. Um, so that can involve a lot of work or it can involve relatively little work depending yeah. on how prepared the singers are and how well they've absorbed what is already there. So I mean, I'm thinking if things are perhaps there's a little bit of comedy in something but there's also tragedy but the yeah, I mean, whose decision is it to go a certain way? With, well, with I suppose a, it, it, it's, it's the director's decision in, yeah. that, in that he will have a view of, that he wants to take of the piece. Um, it's our job in consultation with the conductor to make sure that that vision is realised in mm-hmm. as, as close a way... To the original. As, to as to the, the given material. Mm-hmm. And we I mean, we don't really know we don't really know what original productions of Mozart operas, for instance, or yes. Handel operas were like. Um, of course. But um, we know what the ground rules were and and we know the ground rules for the music. Um, so we try and make sure that they get observed. Well, I guess that brings on to the question about the difference between doing something traditional mm-hmm. and the more contemporary, because Scottish opera, I think, strikes a really good balance between you know, dealing with um, your well-known uh, pieces and dealing with the more modern as well. Mm-hmm. What different challenges does that bring? Um, well, the modern ones have very often musical challenges because... Um, they're much more of an unknown quantity. Mm-hmm. But the good thing is that you can actually get in touch with the composer and ask him <laughs> what he meant. Um, and it, it's been really nice over the past few years to, to work with people like Stuart McRae and James McMillan mm-hmm. um, on, on their pieces and, and be able to actually go to them and say, you know, is this what you meant? Not, not in a critical way, but, no. you know, to, to make sure that, that we're doing what they want and that the music is coming out the way they imagine it. Yeah, I, I think I can see that there's pros and cons to, to both. Um, you know, someone can say, well, that's not how I did imagine it. Whereas, obviously, you know, WhatsApp's not going to... Yes, <laughs> yes. you've um, got me all wrong. It, it, but, it, you know, if, you, if you're dealing with, with, with people like Stuart McRae and James McMillan, they have a very clear idea of what they imagine. And they also provide very, very detailed scores. Um, so that, that really your job as conductor or as, as someone who's assisting in the production of a contemporary opera, your job is, is literally to bring it off the page into life. And most of the instructions are already there for you. Yeah. Um, so it, it's slightly different um, from doing uh, a Mozart opera or a Handel opera where the basic material is um, has a lot less in it. Yes. You know, um, there are all those movements in Handel pieces where he marks a tempo ordinario at an ordinary tempo. Well, <laughs> what's an ordinary tempo? You know, how fast is it? No, that thing. Whereas you, um, there are far more, there are far less artistic decisions to be made in contemporary music because the composer has made most of them for you. Mm-hmm. And, and all you have to do is respect those. Uh, and 
I suppose those are those sort of collaborations with with people. Um, is that exciting to do, or do you feel of course, that? Of course, yes, yes. I mean, it's very, it's it's wonderful if a, when a new score lands on your desk and you and nobody knows yeah. what it is, um, and if you have a chance to have some input into bringing it to life, that's a very exciting prospect. I mean, we've just this season done Anthropocene, the yes, new fantastic. Super Crate piece, and that was that was great fun. It was very difficult, mm. you know, and and. Yes, there are challenges that that are perhaps different from the challenges that you find in Mozart or a Puccini opera, but um, there's it, it, something very rewarding about bringing a new piece into the world. Um, and and you know, if, if Scottish opera doesn't play its part in in doing that, then there are very few other organisations in the country that are going to do that. So we. We need to do that. And what about more contemporary pieces where the um, a conductor or the director isn't involved? The composer is the word I'm looking for. Isn't involved, you know, something like Philip Glass or something that is, you know, still contemporary, but it's not as easy to... Yes. Um, well, I mean, it's the same... The same principle really applies. I mean, we did... Philip Glass is the trial uh, last season, which I conducted, and um, I was able to, to get a little bit um, of information, slightly second-hand, through Michael McCarthy, who was the director, who himself had been in touch with Philip right. Glass, so I got some uh, advice. But, but again, the, the things that are in the score are enough to... Yeah. Um, to give you the guidelines and then you have to uh, there are relatively few places where you think well I wonder whether he meant this or this and then you just have to make a decision that seems the right one for you um, and you mentioned at the beginning uh, the role of a librarian mm-hmm. so is there um, is everything archived in that sense you know scores and, and notes yes and yes I mean um, we have a, a vast collection of orchestral material for all the major operas where wherever we can we buy the orchestral material and that becomes ours because it can be marked up um, with the way that our conductors want to do it whereas if you're hiring material you have to rub it all out and send it back mm-hmm. um, basically um, so we try and buy material wherever we can when we can't we have very good arrangements with a lot of the major publishers right. who will reserve a set of materials solely for our use so that every time we want to do a particular opera we get the same material back um, but it, it, the the work of a librarian is um, is much more than just stamping books sure in fact that's a very small part of yeah. it because he and his team um, need to prepare all the orchestral material see, see that in the string parts, all the bowing markings are inserted so that everybody's doing the same bowing and all that sort of thing, and lots of sort of behind the scenes work. Um, so that's quite a large part I, of, of the operation. I, it, it makes me think um, when you're watching the opera, you have the, the often the singers on stage and obviously the orchestra, mm-hmm. the orchestra pit. Um, what in terms of um, rehearsal is the the um, relationship there? How does that work? Um, well, the um, as I said said to begin with, the, the the singers 
rehearse first yes um, and rehearse with piano yeah for maybe three or four weeks mm-hmm. um, until the actual blocking that the moves of, on, of the staging yeah. are worked out and cemented and then the orchestra will have their own rehearsals um, and then we bring the singers and the orchestra together in rehearsals which are called zitzproben um, literally seated rehearsals um, and they, the singers will just stand with music stands at those rehearsals and sing because very often that's the first time that the singers in the orchestra will meet yeah. um, and then after the Zitzproben the whole thing moves into the theatre um, and we will have a series of rehearsals generally one for each act of an opera um, again just with piano um, and at that point we will bring in lighting and costume and all that sort of thing um, and again, a series of rehearsals, one for each act, with orchestra, um, and then two dress rehearsals. And then yeah, because it just struck me, I hadn't thought about it before, but you couldn't get that amount of people together the early on. It has to be done in that separate yes. sense. And then the, the, only thing, the only time we, we, we've done something like that is, is when we were doing the 515 um, Mm-hmm. the contemporary little pieces yeah. um, and also we did it um, for Anthropocene we had a couple of sessions learning sessions for the orchestra and then we brought some singers in at that point very early on in the proceedings um, basically because with a lot of contemporary opera um, the the textures with with orchestra are obviously very different from the textures just with piano and it's quite good to let the singers have a listen to that sort of thing at quite an early stage in the proceedings so they know eventually what they're not competing against but what what the 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 orchestral texture sounds like because if you're only doing it with piano and then you suddenly bring in the orchestra it's quite different and if you don't um, if it's an, a brand new piece mm-hmm. and you can't go away and listen to a recording of it to see what yeah, the orchestra sure. sound like, it could be quite a shock <laughs> <laughs> to suddenly be um, having because yeah. you get used to rehearsing with piano and you get used to the person who plays and, mm-hmm. and what they do, and then suddenly it's different with the orchestra. So um, we try and and introduce that at an earlier stage in a contemporary piece, even though the orchestra won't necessarily be a finished thing because they will still have work to do and when do you get to see a season's programme um, well uh, as head of music I'm involved with the music director yeah. and the, uh, in the planning of yeah. a season so I get to see the plan at quite right. an early stage yes, yes. Um, and I also get to see how it evolves and very often what we end up with isn't quite what we started yeah. um, because there are all sorts of diversions that the season can take before it actually gets into the season brochure. Um, but that's that's part of the job and that's that's a nice part because you, know, you, you can start off with blue sky thinking I think is the current term <laughs> you know it would be nice to do this this and this and this and then of course you 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 do the sums yes. and say well yeah. maybe that's not quite such a good idea <laughs> um, but it, 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 that's that's a very interesting part of the thing because actually being in and having a hand in in um, the, the production of a whole season yeah which is, is nice 
And um, I, you may not be able to answer this, but do, do you have uh, highlights of the, the coming season that you would say that I'm really excited to be doing that? Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about the whole season yeah. next year. I mean, personally, I'm very excited to be working on the GNS pieces because they're the pieces that I love mm-hmm. and it's a good opportunity for an opera company to do a piece like that. But, I mean, the rest of the season... Tosca is a fantastic piece. I yeah. mean, it's one of my desert island operas. I really so that's a, a wonderful piece and a wonderful production, which is part of Scottish opera's history. So it's it's nice to have that again. Um, Nixon in China yeah. is also a marvelous piece, and although I personally won't do a lot of work on that piece. It's wonderful that we're doing it, so I'm looking forward to doing that. And Midsummer Night's Dream also is a piece that hasn't been in our repertoire for some time, so uh, it's a very exciting season. So I'm I'm very I'm very lucky in in that I get uh, a chance to be enthusiastic about all these things, um, <laughs> and it's very easy. I, I don't have to to feign enthusiasm yes, sure. for any of these pieces because it they they're all wonderful works, um, and I think if we are enthusiastic about the pieces that we're Absolutely. doing. Hopefully, that will come across. And uh, when when you first got interested in music, right years ago, was opera an interest of yours? Is that something you've grown into? The... Uh, it, I have to say, no, it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, not because not because I didn't I didn't think I liked it, but because there were comparatively few chances to be yep, involved absolutely. in it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, when I went to the Opera Centre, I remember thinking that everybody else there seemed to know far more about opera than I did, um, because I had only done, at that point, um, maybe three complete operas, um, one of which was The Marriage of Figaro, which was a really useful piece to have done. Right. Um, but the other piece was Aaron Copeland's Tender Land, which I have never worked on since. <laughs> I, uh, we, worked, we did it as a student production at, at the Academy of Music, as it then was. Um, I mean, it is a lovely piece and it has nice music in it, but it wasn't a terribly useful right. piece to have under your belt in that I've never... I, well, I put... Um, I should have said at the beginning, part of my um, brief is also to compile the... the um, programs for the Opera Highlights yes. production, and I have used an extract from the Tenderland a couple of times as one, one of those um, but there were lots of operas that I had never seen or knew very little about um, so it's quite a steep learning curve but I think that's alright uh, and there are always going to be even now been in the opera world for best part of 40 years and there are operas that I have never worked on just because they haven't come up yeah um, and and there are always going to be pieces like that but everybody has different gaps um, so between us all we can cover most of the bases and I suppose that's one of the things that makes it exciting is that yes. you've got brand new things to work on but there's also uh, ones which you know well yes and and also one of the things that I find particularly fascinating is that every time you come back to a piece that you've done before sometimes a piece that you've done a lot um, there are always new things that strike you um, so you can never really say that you know 
and you've finished learning the piece because there are always um, and there are always new things and and different casts, different conductors, different directors will bring different things to it. Yeah, um, which is is why we do it. Well, Derek, I think that's the perfect place to finish. So thank you very much for talking. Not at all. My pleasure. And we'll be back next time with someone else from Scottish Opera. Cheers. Thank you.